And welcome to another DOS Game Club episode. This is number 55, discussing the game we played in March, which was another first-person shooter, as we normally do in March. And this time it was Rise of the Triad, um, also known as Dark War, I think. Although The Hunt Begins is also a thing. Well, We'll, we'll get into this later. I'm Martijn Tijn on the forums, and of course, I'm not going to talk about this game all by myself. Uh, first of all, as always, our trusty co-host Florian is here. Hello, DOS nerds. Hey, you're a, you're a DOS nerd. I'm not a DOS nerd. Okay, you are a nerd. I am the biggest nerd. Uh, <laughs> so well, welcome. <laughs> yeah, Rise of the Triad. Um, it's one of those big shooters, right? Like uh, we we tried to go in March for one of these, uh, what do you call them? These blockbuster shooter games. Yeah, that's our March thing, the anniversary thing, because we just passed four years of DOS Game Club, right? That's exactly. Cool. Yeah, this is we started in in March, so yeah, this is our fourth uh, season, I guess you could say. Yep. Um, there's more people joining us. Uh, first of all, it's returning member Bjorn. Or uh, Tiger Quill from the forums, right? Hi, yes, that's me. Super nice that you wanted to join us all the way from Australia. Yeah, that's right. I just uh, I flapped in this morning. <laughs> no, <laughs> spread my wings, flew in, flying out again. No, but it's always cool that that uh, when when we're like spanning the globe, you know. That's uh, yeah. I don't know feels like a mighty thing so <laughs> even though it makes recording a bit awkward i mean well it's, it's early afternoon here now for others it's like early morning for you it's late evening so. yeah well that makes it interesting right so yeah thanks for joining um and also joining again is rami hey hey or or also known as uh Jikis gamer G- how do you pronounce it Jikis? yeah you nailed it right there first try <laughs> oh wow well there you yeah. go have you, do, do you remember how you pronounced it just a minute ago? Jikis <laughs> Gamer. Yeah. I'm just going to say Rami. <laughs> Rami's, Rami is my preferred way, so yes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it's been a while since you were on. I think you were on the Descent episode. Yep. Which was, I, I guess, our last big shooter, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. So, yeah. Every March, <laughs> you're here for the shooters. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Glad to be here. Yeah, no, super nice that you're here. I, I think it's one of your favorite games, right? Absolutely. I love this game. Played like crazy when I was a kid. That's that's excellent. So, yeah, you can you can tell us all about that. Um, I I think we, we should just dive in straight ahead, right? I mean, exactly. no, no wasting. Let's go. Let's set the mood first.
of the triad i said it it's a shooter um do you think rise of the triad is a well-known game i guess it sort of is but it's it's not like wolfenstein or doom or quake though it's not quite on that level of fame i think but it's it's one of the names that you hear even if you're not really familiar with the game i think at least for me and for many other people i think it's the case that you're probably you haven't played it but you have heard the name maybe i've seen a screenshot or two Hmm. hmm Yeah, it's not it's not some obscure game that we've dug up from I don't know the the deep something <laughs> like like the, unlike the other March games we do. Well, no, of course not. <laughs> but well, I still feel this is maybe not the the most well known shooter ever, but it's it's still kind of up there. I guess it has a reputation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this game is like kind of a cult classic i would say i feel like people who play dos games will definitely have heard of it but people who play like just all kinds of video games like you know console games and stuff and in general or like just just who who just don't you know play casually and don't really play as often as people like us do probably don't know anything about this game Mm. it's probably really like uh you know yeah yeah it's more an enthusiast thing maybe Uh, i'm a casual player now great (laughs) (laughs) no i mean like just people who just you know pick up a controller and you know once a once a month or something will yeah don't know about it and those people will probably have heard of doom but, yes. but maybe not of this one, yeah. So like it's... my parents know about Doom, and and I mean obviously they know about the other stuff. But like you know, like my teacher when I was a kid knew about Doom and and that kind of stuff. And that's not something I could say about Rise of the Triad or you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it is though for people who are not completely familiar with this game. It is it is a pretty. Well, I'm not going to say standard because it's it's not standard in a lot of ways, but mm. it is sort of that typical 90s shooter format, right? Yeah, it's very very um old school. There's it's got the level to level progression where you're going from and it's got the mazy maps with the secret walls and everything and it's very 90s and yeah. Yeah, and it's it's I think one of the well, not one of the last, but it's it's sort of the end of this sprite era, um, because I think in '96 that's when Quake came out, right? 
Yeah. And that's when the whole true 3D revolution happened and everything was polygons and stuff. Well, not everything, well, but... The Duke 3D is also right. Yeah. In the 96 it, as well. So. It lingered. Yeah, there was like this crossover period. And and I guess Rise of the Triad is, is at the end of the... Um, The, the era where everything was sprites, and and mm -hmm. after this, it 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 started to transition into polygons and models and stuff. So yeah, yeah. I think Blood was the last one. Actually, Blood might have been the very very last one. Yeah, I'm not exactly. sure though. It's like this two year two year transition period. Indeed. Uh, um, and this is from '95, so this is after Doom, actually. Um, and in, in, in some ways it's uh, a little more old school than Doom, I think. It has the, the 90 angle walls, for example. Yeah. It's, so, yeah, it's got a, a bit of an older engine mm. uh, that it's still using. Right. Yeah. I, th I think we're going to talk about that yeah. in, the, in the later yeah. section. Let's, yeah, we'll let's get, let's get the myself. game itself. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, but just for people to get an idea, it's like a Doom era sprite-based, ray-casting shooter. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, to compare it with another game that it's also based on, like it's, it's like Wolfenstein, just with an engine that has been improved so much that you would hardly think it's based on that engine. Indeed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mostly because it got, it's got textures and lighting and that sort of stuff, right? Yeah. So um, the first bullet point on my list is who suggested this game... I don't, I'm not sure if this game was even suggested through the forums. What? Is that legal? <laughs> uh, uh, maybe, I don't know. Get um, the dust police. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rise of the Triad. No, no, it's, it has been suggested. Ah, okay. 2018 already by Pushblock. Ah, well, there you go. Also sent us, um, also sent us a voice message for this recording. Oh, did he? Maybe he did. maybe we should just go and, and see what he has to say, and maybe it's fun to listen to the voice messages. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, let's just pick the right one. There we go. Hey, that's Game Club. It's Gonzalo, Pushbok in the forums. I suggested this game, so I thought it'd be nice if I explained a bit why. Um, I think this is a, a very special game. Not just as a good example of the kind of shareware games you'd find in the mid-90s, um, but also I find its development story to be very interesting and unique. Um, the, you know, the developers of Incredible Power. I'm sure you'll discuss that in depth. So, but all I'm, I'm going to say is you can feel when you play the game how much fun the developers had making it. I played this game sometime after it was released uh, from one of these uh, shareware CDs that magazines used to bundle back in the day. I didn't think much of it um, at that moment, but I did have fun. But later I found that it was released as open source, and that led me to learn about uh, the interesting story of how it came together. Um, so when it was made available on GOG, I, I immediately purchased it, but I must admit I haven't finished it fully yet. In any case, I think it's a game that has a lot to offer, and I would definitely recommend at least the shareware version for anyone who enjoys playing first-person shooters. So thanks for playing Rise of the Triad for FPS Month, and I'm looking forward to this new episode. 
Bye. Excellent. Yep. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for sending that. He should be on an episode, I think. Yeah. We should invite him, Florian. What happened there? <laughs> I'm not sure. Who, who didn't pay attention? <laughs> None of us did. But yeah, that's, that's, super, that's our that's our thing. Not paying attention to anything. Super grateful that he uh, that he sent the voice message and and suggested the game. So yep. yeah, and he's so right that uh, you could really tell how much fun the developers had making this game. Absolutely nailed it with that. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, we'll dive yeah. into that for sure. Yeah. Um, because I I think one of the things I mean we mentioned Wolfenstein at the start. This game was supposed to be like Wolfenstein the sequel, right? So mm-hmm. I think that's what gets the whole story started. But you can also see it a few times in the game. Many things like like the enemies they still look a bit like the um, Nazis from, <laughs> yeah, from Wolfenstein. Definitely, mm-hmm. so. definitely. Although they should actually be cult members, right? But maybe it's a Nazi cult. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like some weird cult. Yeah, the triad or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll 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 dive into the story also. But maybe we should just go through the voice messages first. Yep. Because it's it's always fun people sending us those. Sure. So that's cool. So we have another one from Esco or Firefight, who has been on I don't know like like fifty episodes or so. <laughs> so let's just listen to what he has to say. So with regards to Rise of the Triad on DOS, I remember the game being a lot of fun back in the day just because it wasn't Doom and it did things very differently than Doom did, especially with the wacky weapons and everything else. But overall, the game was quite fun, just mostly uh, needing a uh, different game to play, especially in the FPS genre back in the day. So the platforms and everything was rather aggravating, and I remember the uh, uh, basically completing the game using god mode cheats and figuring things out <laughs> like that because that was just more fun when I was a kid. Overall, I'd say it's maybe something to check out for interest, but otherwise, eh, not really worth it. But uh, also on the remake uh, from 2013, I'd say, is that it's basically the same game made with a modern engine, modern touch. Uh, So the feeling's the same. The weapons are sort of the same. It's still the same wacky game, but I wouldn't really play that one either. I can really imagine Rami now raging on his chair. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, actually, I actually agree with him. That, the remake is just not uh it's just not as good <laughs> but um yeah <laughs> i'm loving listening to these <laughs> it's it's true that it's it's very different from doom i mean doom has has a very um tight uh, game loop it's it's all very very reduced and i feel rise of a Triad does the exact opposite mm. they take whatever they can and put it in a game and it still kind of works so. it, they really don't take themselves seriously in raw like it's just they threw a bunch of random stuff in there and it's just super goofy. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and maybe this also explains why the responses on the forums were a bit mixed. Um, I, I I mean, I can see why people would maybe struggle with the large levels and stuff like that. So if you want some some really tight, fast action, then, well, this game can be a little difficult to get into. Um, maybe because it's the opposite of Doom. 
the levels are really long. I, I remember when I was a kid, I noticed this. These levels go on forever. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it can be tiring. Yeah, that, that was one of the one of the things that, that I noticed. Um, I, I really stopped playing after a while because I just couldn't figure out how to proceed. I had all the enemies were killed in the level or in the part of the level that I had uncovered. And I was trying to find the next door where to proceed, but I just couldn't for half an hour mm. or more. And then I just gave up. Yeah. Sometimes there's like a weird switch on the floor. You'll have to find it. That's the thing. Like that, it's really annoying. <laughs> they There's some really you know hidden touch plates they call them and you just have to find it on the floor and step on it and it's hard to see because it's like just a darker shade of gray and it sort of fades in and out it's it's that's just not well designed Mm, yeah (laughs) yeah and that will cause a lot of you know stuck moments exactly yeah though the the core shooting mechanic i think that still works pretty well so that that was was actually Mm. a lot of fun yeah 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 they did nail that the, the thing I like about it is, which not, not enough games, especially of the era, did, was is uh, give you infinite ammo for your bullet weapons. Yes, that was really cool. Yeah, it is kind of odd how these games are shooters and then they limit the shooting. It's like, don't, don't <laughs> limit the shooting. Just, well, they don't, they want you to shoot better. Mm. So <laughs> shoot less, hit more. Yeah, I don't know. Increase your accuracy. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think we you have one more voice message, though. We have one more, yes, from Rob, also known as Spoonboy. Hey, DOS Game Club, it's Rob here, Spoonboy on the forums, and I'm looking forward to hearing you talk about Rise of the Triad. It's a game I've got some quite vivid memories of during my gaming childhood. I used to play it with a friend at his house, and uh, yeah, it was a game that we couldn't really tell our parents about because of the, the violence they wouldn't have approved, so it was all a kind of a secret, uh, secret experience for us, and it definitely left an impression. I think we must have been playing the shareware version because I recently played the full version and I didn't recognize a lot of the levels. So I think it was the shareware version that we were playing. But I liked in the full version that different characters have different attributes like speed, accuracy and hit points. Uh, I'm not, although I'm not sure how noticeable that was in the game, but uh, it was a bit of uh, fun variation and it was great to see the game again. Um, level design, as I'm sure you'll discuss in the episode, makes it a little less fun to play than I remember. The levels are so huge and with a lot of similar textures, it can be quite frustrating to find your way around. Uh, I loved seeing the weapons again, especially Drunk Missile was probably <laughs> my favourite one. I remember that from my youth. Uh, it was probably the main reason that we played it back in the day was all the weapons that you could choose. But uh, some of them can be quite dangerous to the user, like the firebomb. If you use that in close quarters, it could be curtains. Uh, I don't really remember using the magic weapons at all, funnily enough. It was it was just the rockets hmm. that I remember. Um, I actually read the manual this time, as it was uh, quite fun to read, and everything was quite well described. Everything was laid out for you, and it was full of interesting humour and uh, quite a lot of sympathy for struggling players. It was quite helpful. Even gives you a cheat code uh, and says, "We're not totally sadistic. We have hearts," and uh, talks about hints and tips. Um, yeah, but I, I also played it at Christmas uh, for the special loading screen and the uh, special Christmas music, which was quite fun. Nice, nice little Easter egg. And uh, yeah, it was great to revisit it. Great to see it. And it's anchored in my memory as quite a, a vivid, vivid memory. And um, it's it's always been there in the background. So it was good to, to good to come back to it. 
Um, so yeah, it was good fun, but just not quite as playable as uh, some of the contemporary games, its peers um, around mm. the same time. But um, still good fun to see it, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll keep coming back to it every now and again. So that was it. That was uh, my thoughts on Rise of the Triad. So have fun. Ludicrous Gibbs, and see you guys soon. Thanks. Excellent. Bye. Thanks. Thanks, Rob. And also thanks, Esco, by the way, of course, for, for the lovely voice messages. It's really, it's really cool to hear these, these stories of people, especially the thing how he was keeping it secret from his parents. Like, <laughs> that's a classic. Uh, yeah, I, I'm starting to wonder if my parents were, were very good or very bad parents <laughs> because they didn't really care what I was doing in my room. Oh, I, I I have the same story with Wolf, with Wolfenstein. Um, although actually I didn't keep that a uh, secret, and thus I lost Wolfenstein <laughs> because <laughs> it had to be uninstalled, as they were not impressed. Well, my mom wasn't. My my dad thought it was great, but yeah. <laughs> that's how it was. Yeah, my, my dad was 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 used to watching old war movies with me late in the evening. Mm, so. Exactly. I guess he would have been okay with everything. Yeah, yeah same. I've, I've never actually had Rise of the Triad at home as a kid, so I didn't have to hide it because it wasn't there at all. <laughs> um, but I have played it as a kid because it was on the school computers, weirdly. So <laughs> that's that's kind of unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we should do this, um, who played the game before, round that we usually yeah, do. Yeah, for sure. So... Do you want to get started? Well, um, I, I like I said, I, I had didn't have this game at home. Uh, it was released in '95, and '95 was also the year that I went to high school. Um, this, the way the system works here in the Netherlands is that you are 12 years old when you go to high school. So I guess that's middle school in other countries. I don't know. Anyway, I went there to this new place, didn't know anybody, and there was this room full of old Compaq uh, 386. Um, all-in-one machines, like the screen and the computer were one in one encased thing. Mm. And they were running Windows 3 for for work groups, something like that. So it was all, eh, I don't know, not very interesting. So naturally, I I quit to DOS and I (laughs) looked around and I found a folder which included (laughs) this game. So I was like, hell yeah, now now we're getting somewhere. So, yeah, soon enough, the whole room was playing Rise of the Triad. And, yeah, that's what we did. I'm not sure if we played the network thing. I think it was the shareware version. I'm not sure if it includes the network play. But, yeah, we were all just having fun with this game as a kid. Until, I guess, the teacher put an end to it. Because, (laughs) yeah. So, yeah, that's my my experience with this game. Uh, Have you played it before, Florian? Uh, no, uh, well, I have, but not very, very much, very long before this month, because um, recently there was a game jam that was about Raycaster engines, and I mm. decided to make a Raycaster engine for DOS myself, and I, I got stuck in a few places, and I was looking for inspiration, and then I found Rise of the Triad's source code, ah. and looked at it, and that's when I tried the game for the first time, so that was like two months before or so. Wow. What a what a t- I, I had heard about it a few times, but I've never actually paid close attention or even seen screenshots. I thought, well, it's based on the Wolf engine, so how how good can it look? <laughs> but actually, it looks quite a lot different, yeah, and a lot better than 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 Wolf. Yeah, they put a lot of stuff in it between uh, because Wolfenstein was released in '92, right? So yeah, three years—that's mm-hmm. a lot of time to put extra stuff in. Yep. Yeah, yeah. 
And they obviously borrowed a few ideas from from Doom, mm. so that's that's cool. Yeah. So did, was it helpful looking at this source code? Well, not, not as much as I, as I had hoped because they oh. are doing things quite differently than I had started out. So whatever I, I was hoping to get from that didn't really really help. But I use it as oh. a as a performance benchmark. So oh, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> so so Bjorn, have you played this game before we did it this month? I had played it a bit. Um, I had a friend that had it on their computer uh, back when it came out. Um, I probably watched them play it more than play it myself. Um, And probably for a hot minute, I think everybody in my my school uh, actually liked it more than they, or or was playing it more than they were playing Doom at the time in in about 95, 96. Wow. I think that was a flash in the pan. But um, (laughs) Yeah, uh, probably in terms of my own time playing it, I've probably only a few minutes before, you know, half an hour or something mm. before before last month. Right. So just at a friend's house. Yeah. And and also didn't have it at home then maybe. No, no, never. Yeah, I've had a lot of different games on my computer at home, but this one just never never ended up on my hard drive for whatever reason. Hmm. Yeah, some sometimes that happens. There, hmm. there are these games that uh, you look at them now and you think, "How did I miss this?" But then <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just you, you, you can you you get what you can, right? It's just yeah. Well, that's right. I mean, this pre-internet days, you just <laughs> it's whatever floppies happen <laughs> to come your way. Exactly, exactly. So, so you went in sort of fresh uh, in that regard. I mean, fairly fresh. Yeah, there's. Um, I just sort of had images as memories, like I didn't really remember what it felt like to play the game, or or anything like that. I just had some, like one of the one of the main things that's that's really burned into my brain was sometimes when you blow someone up, an eyeball would just fly in front of your face. <laughs> <laughs> that that's that's one of the one of the main things that I always thought about when I thought of this game, um, and yeah, it's that sort of thing in terms of. What it actually felt to play like? No, I couldn't couldn't really remember that mm. too well. Were you? Was it like what you thought it would be? Like, was it surprising, or was it? Oh yeah. Uh, yes and no. Um, yeah, I suppose. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> Short answer. Right. I, I, I don't All really right. know. I can't, I can't really say. Like. Like I said, I finally got, sort of got like still images in my memory of, of what it was like as a kid, so I didn't really have that much to compare it to. So I guess I did come in, in fairly fresh. Right. Yeah, maybe you weren't expecting that much anyway, so... <laughs> yeah, maybe not. It's, yeah. it's just what it is, yeah. I, I think one thing that I was remembering incorrectly, I thought there were actually different height levels, like the like there was uh, kind of almost like stairs, mm. but there's not really, they've kind of got trickery going on to do that. Well, but not sort of. They're, they're yeah, s- but not, not in the same way as Doom, and that's what I, what, that's what I sort of remembered, mm. that, that you could actually walk up steps and you could see the 3D shape of the stairs. Mm. But um, No, no, it's, it's not like that. No. <laughs> yeah, I found that out. I'd, weirdly, you... you 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 say this image of the eyeball flying. That's like that's <laughs> yes. the game. How you? Re- I have this with the dual guns. With the <laughs> oh yes, this I, like when I think of this game, I think of the of the John Woo style dual gun thing. And I thought I had to play for a while to to 
get to that stage, right? Mm. So, but it's actually literally the first. <laughs> like, if you just walk straight ahead, there's an additional gun, and you're immediately w- ha- operating two guns. So. <laughs> yeah, makes you wonder why they why they even came up with the artwork for the single gun. Yeah. But that was really surprising because I was diving in and thinking, oh, yeah, I wonder when this will happen. And it's like, oh, it happens one second into the game. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when when you die, you start out with only the basic gun again. And you need to find a second one. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, so Rami, um, you have played this game before a ton. I know that. Definitely. Yeah. So, So when, I mean, tell us how, when did you first play it? Um, so the first time I ever played this game, I was, uh, in my dad's office. Uh, he had like a 486 in his office and he would just like, let me play it. He played, let me play all these violent games. He didn't care. So it was like Wolfenstein 3D, Doom, Duke Nukem 3D and Rise of the Triad and Heretic and all those. And I really liked this game. This was one of my favorites that I would play at the time. And I really enjoyed like the... Like you said, the dual pistols was one of the things that really like stuck out to me. And the jumping pads, like there's these pads you walk on and they send you flying really high. Mm-hmm. And I really liked the music. The um, FM music was really like one of my favorites. And I only had the shareware back in the day. And since the levels were so long, I don't think I ever made it past the second one. Uh, similar to like how I was with Descent. Mm. But I really, really liked it. And we, we had a 486 at home. And I would, uh, my dad would install it there and let me play it. Uh, when I was a kid, I only knew it as Rot, just R O T T. That's it. I didn't know what the actual <laughs> name of the game was. So I, I, as I got older and we didn't have the 486 anymore, I was like, "What was that game? I want to play that again." And so I just went on DOSGames.com. Like many years later, like when I was like in, you know, like early 2000s, when I was like in middle school, and I found the game just by looking for the acronym. And I was like, yeah, that screenshot, that's it. With the little <laughs> green health bars at the bottom and everything and the and the the heart. I was like, I recognize all that. And then I uh that was when I really started playing the game like crazy. And I must have put like a thousand hours into it. Just every day after school, I would get on my compact Rosario and play Rise of the Triad. And it's it's like I, I streamed it like crazy on YouTube. I even played Extreme Rot, the difficult version. Wow. And yeah, it's it's one of my all time favorites. It's yeah, I have so much fun with it. That's excellent. That's that's perfect that you're here then to uh, to share this all with us. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to be here. It's it's crazy that you didn't even know the game, the name of the game. You're like because the folder on the disc must have been rot, right? Ex- like, exactly. And I I was really young. I didn't really like read the title screen. Like I, yeah. I, I was just learning how to read literally. I was like maybe four or five years old when oh, I man. first played it or yeah. That's kind of messed up though to play this sort <laughs> of <thing. laughs> Yeah. I remember when I was a kid I was like this is very violent. Yeah. But it was like <laughs> looking at it now it's like yeah it still is kind of pretty violent. And you're like you sh- you blow someone up with a with a rocket and then like the skull flies and there's like uh-huh. a there's like a sprite of a hand flipping the bird, you know, that flies around and then an eyeball that goes down and it's mm-hmm. crazy. <laughs> but uh, I remember my dad actually telling me that he let me play that the least. Like it was like the game he would let me play the least out of them all because of that. Oh, <laughs> okay. It so, receives a an RSAC 4 on the 
rating, which is like the highest gore rating or, you know, yeah. of all of them. So that's not really for five-year-olds. <laughs> but yep. still he uh, let you play it, despite <laughs> having second thoughts. <laughs> yeah, but less so, less Florian. Yeah. So it was still responsible. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think it's really cool when you when you remember a game from your from your childhood and you, you don't really rem- remember what it was or how it felt and then you Google it and after weeks or, or months you find it. I, I had mm. that when we played um, Transarctica. Mm. It was so cool. Yeah, so, that is cool. It's also kind of funny that the, the acronym is ROT. And uh, la, like the previous month, we had Day of the Tentacle, which is DOT. So <laughs> it's like we're going from DOT to ROT. Uh, I don't know. I, I, some people in the club actually mixed them up because they haven't played either. <laughs> so they were like, what, what's up with these games? Like, what, <laughs> what's Day of the Triad. Yeah, <laughs> same thing with... Um... Doom and Loom. <laughs> mm, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And they have nothing in common, but still, it's, yeah. All right. So I guess we should just dive into the like the game proper, you know? Yeah. And I guess a good way to start is with the premise, with the story. Um, this game has more of a premise than most shooters have, I feel. Because a lot of these 90 shooters, they're just... You're a guy with a gun, go shoot for well, no reason, really. I don't know. Is that, is that really true? I mean, in, in Wolfenstein, you have the story in, in the manual. And what they did here is instead of putting it in the manual, they put it in a couple screens when you start the game. So That's true. That's true. I think Wolfenstein had more of a backstory, but but it, it sort of declined in my um, experience. Like Doom, you're a space marine go shoot demons it's mm. it's all really thin it's like a really thin layer of story in order to get you shooting and this game sort of has more than than yeah. what was typical i feel yeah it sort of puts it in your face a bit more you you, you sort of uh yeah with doom and, and wolfenstein it's like oh by the way if you feel like it i guess there's a story but don't worry about that whereas this you start the game and it's right there. It, the screen comes up yeah. and you can, and yeah, it, it's making making sure you know what it is, even if there's not, you know, it's not too complicated. No, <laughs> no, we don't want that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but just the fact there are these cutscenes and stuff, it's already mm. something not very typical for a 90 shooter, I feel. Definitely, yeah. So, uh, yeah, what's the story? Can Can anyone take us through it? Basically, it's about this like little uh, militia, high you know, uh, high risk United Nations task force, abbreviated as Hunt. Mm. It's just these five characters that you can play as in the game. Uh, they're supposed to investigate this cult led by El Oscuro, who is uh, pl- uh, played by Tom Hall in the game. <laughs> and um, yeah, he's like a master of pyrotechnics, as is um, mentioned in the little preface in the game. And they are located at this monastery on San Nicolas Island, and the cult plans to destroy Los Angeles using a transmitter. I don't know what that's supposed to be, but that's what it's, that's what that's what they call it. So transmitter. So we're just going to roll with it. Transmitter is going to destroy Los Angeles. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and upon investigating the island, they're caught. Like they're they're spotted by the the cult uh, watchers and then they they blow up their boat and so the only option that the hunt has is to just go through and fight their way through the entire monastery mm. and that's basically the story 
exactly. Yeah, there's no other option. Yeah, they can't. Mm. They can't call home and ask for backup. No, that's not <laughs> even considered. No, just phones don't let's exist. Let's kill. <laughs> let's kill everyone. That's <laughs> this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So yeah, it's this. It's this weird cult. A pyrotechnics cult? Is that is that even a thing? Yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> if not, I'm going to start one. <laughs> there needs to be one. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they they still sort of look like Nazis, like we mentioned, right? Because, yeah, they were going to make this a Wolfenstein sequel, but, mm. they, I, yeah, I guess they just rolled with it. They were like, okay, we have these guys now. Better put them in. There's actually a fan theory out there that it is still a Wolfenstein sequel that they that they'd written all the story when when uh, Ed said, "Look, we'd rather you not use the Wolfenstein um, license," and they just said, "Okay, we'll just take the words out <laughs> that reference it directly." Mm. Uh, but the story is the same, so technically, it still is a sequel. Right? Yeah, yeah. The enemies all look like look like Nazis with the with the helmets and everything. Mm. It's it's almost yeah. like it almost feels like this could have been the next step for Wolfenstein 3D. Yeah. And it's uh, interesting to think of, you know, if that actually did happen, what it would be like. Yeah. I bet Wolfenstein would have been a big series now, like Doom sort of is, if they had kept it going. But Well, Wolfenstein is now, I guess. Yeah. Well, it is a story, but later <laughs> yeah. with the reboot, with the return to... Yeah, that's true. Mm. Maybe in between it would have been more... I don't know. It doesn't... Yeah. It definitely would have been interesting to see how it would have turned out as a Wolfen- as a Wolfenstein game. Yeah. Yeah. Although maybe not that different, really. Yeah. I think it's it's very simple. There are even some levels in this game that look exactly like Wolfenstein with the f- single height. Um, mm. Like the the first level of episode two is just like that. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I did think about the fact that I, I found a mod for Wolfenstein that was a kind of what if. Uh, they hadn't lost the license, but it was just really a reskin of, of, of Wolfenstein with, with a mm. few yeah, slightly different patties and weapons. But Yeah. Well, it doesn't really matter in what uh, the setting is. I mean, it's just a reason to shoot everyone. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the five-character thing, that's sort of interesting. That's also sort of unique, right? I mean, most shooters have this one protagonist that they're trying to push, like the hero of the story. Um, and this game goes in a completely different direction. It has these five characters and you can pick whoever you like and they're all slightly different, although I'm not sure how, how noticeable this really is, but well, I guess some have more, uh, health and stuff. So that, that kind of helps, but, and the speed is also different, I think. Yeah. The, um, the, the two female characters are really fast. Mm. But um, you, and there's also like a height uh, thing. Like you can notice some characters are taller and some are like shorter. You can, you can notice that they're closer to the ground. Huh. And like the the two like big muscular dudes you see in the thing are the like they take a lot of hits, but they're very slow. And uh, the dude in the middle in the loading screen, uh, Teradino Cassett, is like the middleman. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. Although, yeah, how how relevant is it really when you're playing this? I mean, you get used to your character pretty quickly, I would say. And then that's just the game for you, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Are they listed in the manual? I'm I'm looking at the manual now because um one of the voice messages mentioned that the manual is actually pretty pretty cool, right? Yes, it is. So, so I 
I'm browsing through... Oh, yeah, here they are. Right, our cast, the heroes of the hunt. It's all a bit, I don't know, cinematic, is that the word? They're trying to have this whole Hollywood feel to it. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's kind of cool. <laughs> it's pretty goofy. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. The whole game feels like like a 90s Hollywood movie, right? <laughs> yeah, there, there is. Yeah, they're kind of taking the piss. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know. I mean, th- this game is also related to Duke 3D, and that that takes that to the extreme. So mm. exactly, yeah, exactly. That's this is like a precursor to what they were going to do with Duke. So that's that's interesting to think about. Um, yeah, there's a description here in the manual. It's uh, the first one is uh, Thee Barrett, and Thee is is spelled T H I, but it says pronounced T. So. Uh, is stout but gorgeous. A toss of hair tends to fall over her forehead. Straight-laced, metal in unarmed combat. Okay. <laughs> it's great to know that, she's, that she has medals in unarmed combat because the only unarmed combat in the game is when you're a dog, right? <laughs> <laughs> so Maybe she's a dog. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it, it seems a useless skill in a shooter, but, well, there you go. <laughs> Uh, Lorelai Nee is Chinese, fiercely competitive, won troop boxing championships, intense eyes, scar on shoulder from rock climbing accident, once married and soon divorced. It's <laughs> a little personal note there. <laughs> Very important to know for the game. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's also the guy who kind of looks like, uh, what's that serial killer guy, like Manson? <laughs> I mean, Ian Paul Freely. Yeah, he really has that serial killer look. I don't know, with the weird hair. The (laughs) Euro-Mediterranean mix, seen as a dangerous person. Freely likes to release his aggression through the readily available high-powered firearms. Frizzy brown hair seems to explode and fall to the sides of his head. Greco-Spaniard by heritage, not overly concerned with his appearance. Ian is swarthy but unkept. There's a a lot of this content is about the way he looks. <laughs> <laughs> the name Ian Paul Freely is like a a little play on the 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 IP Freely, you know? Ah, yeah, right. that's funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess we should just finish the the the, the set now, right? Um, mm. Because this Ian Paul Freely, he's one of the the beefy guys, or or not? Yes. Yeah, he's one of the he's one of the big big boys. Yeah, exactly. So I guess the other one is Doug Went, who is an Af- African American, impressive and large. Went wouldn't win the hundred yard dash, but he can take a hellacious damage. Tends to be insubordinate to book following superiors. Lost last joint of right's ring finger. Okay, that's oh, it's, that's true. When you play as him, you'll and you use the two pistols, you'll notice one of his fingers is missing. That's interesting. What? Yeah. yeah, I thought. I thought it was like a bug, but it's like nope. That's actually in the game. <laughs> it's lore. It's <laughs> <laughs> that's attention to detail. Yeah, he likes fighting with bullet weapons. Well, then you're at the right place as the star of a shooter, my guy. <laughs> uh, yeah. The last, the last one is the guy in the middle, I suppose. the The blonde guy, Teradino Cassett, or Cassat. I don't know. European mix, fit and powerful, Cassette Cassat is one of the son of jet setters who found a direction in life in the armed forces. Looks like a serious minded beach bum. All right. <laughs> That's uh, kind of weird to end up <laughs> in a team of mercenaries, but I don't know. <laughs> it, is, it is kind of a cool manual. 
did any of you have the manual as a kid or or later? I always wanted it. Yeah, do you even have a box copy? I do not have a box copy of Rise of the Tribe. I have a box copy of Extreme Rot, which is very rare, but mm. um, I have a jewel case of this game. And I do have like a strategy guide, which came with Extreme Rot, but I don't have like the actual manual, unfortunately. Mm. Is it in your collection, Florian? No, sadly not. Ah, is this game hard to find or is it just not happen? I think that's the same with, with many of the um, shareware games of the time. Just don't get many boxes. Mm, it's pretty expensive right. if you look it up on eBay. Yeah. Was Apogee still doing... Because um, I know for Doom, Ed, Ed at least, I'm not sure if Apogee did this, but a lot for a long time you could only get Doom directly from Ed. They didn't sell them in stores. Do you know if they did that with, with Rise of the Triad? Um, I'm not sure about that. That's a good question. Yeah. I mean, that would explain why it'd be hard to find copies of it. I mean, like, like for Doom, you, you cannot get a boxed copy of, of Doom itself. Um, mm. You can get stuff like, like Ultimate Doom and, and such, but yeah. the original one, you can hope to find some registered copy of yeah. floppy disk, but that's about it. Yeah. So. For, for Rise of the Triad, there is a separate shareware release. Um, which I guess was the, the the initial version or something, but I I'm pretty sure it did get a retail release in a box and everything. So yeah, there, there are boxes. Yeah. They're just not very common. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Okay, so we're this team of mercenaries, five guys, uh, actually two girls and and three guys on an island. You pick one of them, and and do you stick with them, or or can you switch who you're playing as? You stick with them for the the whole entire game. So you pick them in the very beginning and then you don't change them for the rest of the game. Right. And you don't ever see them either. Exactly, yeah. Oh, you, well, you, you can see them occasionally. Yeah. When you when you die, depending on how you die, you can see them, for example. Exactly. Okay. There's a few death animations where like it'll zoom out and show your character from the third person. Hmm. And that's about it. And there's also a little picture of the character on the you know top of the screen. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not like you're an actual team. I mean, it's not like you've got people helping you or like... A, exactly, yeah. A, you're still on your own. So it's, I don't know, it's kind of a weird team, to be honest. Yeah. Like, you go. You go kill everyone. <laughs> we'll, we'll just be on the beach. <laughs> it immediately starts uh, trying to impress you. That's That's the feeling I get. You know, with picking up that additional gun and then also being outside... It's really trying to be different than than Wolfenstein. It's it doesn't have that cramped feel. It immediately also shows you the jump pads and stuff like that. So the, the the feeling I get is that they were really trying to wow you right from the start. I really like the lightning effects in the beginning. That was pretty cool. And yeah, the the outdoor environments was was pretty cool. I remember one of the first things I noticed was that if you went over a fence, that you could fall off the you know like fall mm-hmm. off the map and mm-hmm. that was a fun funny way to die <laughs> and then the, the walls that moved around the big walls that you could just crush you and mm-hmm. yeah and also destructible items lying around and and yeah it it's all a bit more interactive than yeah that was that was pretty new at the time i don't think even doom really had, apart from barrels mm-hmm. yeah i think um you you broke your breakable items yeah you really first saw in that game in rot. Speaking of, of barrels, they are really disappointing in this game, aren't they? <laughs> they <laughs> are, because the explosions are so tiny. What's up with that? And it takes like, I don't know, 50 bullets or so. 
to blow them up. It's like, come on, that's not how barrels are supposed to work in video games. <laughs> and, and for this game that's so over the top in all these other ways with yeah. ridiculous weapons and, and generally, yeah, as you were saying, barrels are, are, are always used to always huge, lots of fun. You blow them up and enemies go flying. But <laughs> yeah, they're just nothing in this, are they? <laughs> no. <laughs> and even when there's like four or five barrels next to each other, you think, oh yeah, I'm going <laughs> to shoot one. And then they all go. Chain reaction. And no, they don't. <laughs> no, just the one goes and it's a tiny, it's like, okay, well, that's it's just nothing. The biggest oversight they did when they made the game. I think if, if this game had better exploding barrels, <laughs> it would be Three times is more fun. Just like massive. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> ah. But weirdly, there is a lot of fire and stuff. Yep. I mean, there are big explosions, and and you have these uh, these these rocket weapons and and fire weapons. So they do have this stuff in the game. Just there are also explosive packs lying around here and there, like TNT boxes of TNT, mm. and they behave like barrels should. So yeah. So the code is there, obviously. Yeah. Exactly. So I don't know. I don't know what's up with these barrels, but they're not good. Although I've noticed that when you blow up, a, a, when you like kill an enemy with a barrel by blowing it up, or or by by the like like Florian said with the TNT, the deaths are not as good as Doom. Like mm. with Doom, they will straight up mm. jib and just like it'll like be a rain <laughs> of like red. But in this yeah. game, it's just like they just ah, they die. Yeah, they don't even like have the classic you know explosion that they have when you would shoot them with a missile, and it's. Yeah, weird. That it is kind of weird. What what really stands out in terms of gameplay when you when you start this thing? Because uh, for example, the jump pad stuff that's that's pretty early right on. Like that's exposed pretty early on, right? Yeah. Which are I feel a big part of what sets this game apart because the classic shooters didn't have any 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 jumping at all. Uh, like Wolfenstein and Doom, they they had you attached to the floor at all times. Yep. Technically, Rise of the Trite doesn't have jumping either. <laughs> well, those launch pads, but you cannot jump. Like you cannot push a button. Exactly. To jump. Yeah. That's... No, but uh, you can still sort of jump when you're over one of these pads. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Doesn't so, it, doesn't uh, when you when you turn into the dog? Don't you have a sort of a bit of a jumping ability? I, I feel like when you hit space, and you pause at doors and things. He also jumps up. So, that's why, right. Yeah, I thought so. That's right. That's you can actually when you're a dog in this game. There's like um, single unit height walls. You can actually jump over those as a dog. So like if there's an area area where you're like, there's areas in Extreme Rot where they they know that you can do this, and then they you know you can you have to like find a secret dog power up and access this area, and it's like a really really secret area, and just you know that's an example of some of the ways you can jump as a dog. Mm. And and just I mean we're we're sort of glossing over this almost, but I mean being a dog, come on, that's <laughs> yeah. that's insane. It's a lot of fun. The dog is like super fast and just super deadly. <laughs> yeah. And you don't even really have a weapon, right? I mean, you just bite. You're just going at people with your mouth. Just yeah, yeah. There's also like an explosive bark. You can like charge it up with the dog. Oh, and then it'll just release a massive bark <laughs> and it'll just jib everyone in front of it. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah, hold down the fire button ah. and he'll start he'll start barking and then the bark will start <laughs> getting higher and higher pitched and then he'll just go and then everyone will explode. It's hilarious. This is actually how dogs work, you know. <laughs> yeah, 
I'm going to get a dog to defend me in that way. <laughs> yeah, so this is crazy. Not a lot of shooters where you change into anything, really. But well, there's... Let alone an animal. Heretic and Hexen come to mind, and I wonder if there, if that was a reference. Because you turn into a chicken and a pig in those games, but it's mm, very much... Yes. It's very much a power down in those games. You you kind of have to run and hide and wait till it wears off. Mm. That's true, yeah. It's it's definitely not a power down in this game. Uh, <laughs> I think you're even don't you e- are even in in god mode when you're a dog like you're yes. invulnerable or something. Yes. So I I bet it's just the play on that, isn't it? Mm. I mean, isn't it just god reversed yes. and they're like, "Hey, <laughs> well, <laughs> pretty much." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Funny thing is the uh the when you're in god mode in the game, the player makes this weird humming noise and that's actually a reference to John Romero. Because uh, when he was playing Wolfenstein 3D in God mode, he would go, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. And that's why they put that in the game. <laughs> kind of annoying. <laughs> yeah, the game is silly like that. It, it is, yeah. Well, yeah. It does get on your nerves. <laughs> I, just, I just always thought it was because God's all-powerful, he'd just find everything boring. I thought that's all that meant. <laughs> yeah. He's just yawning all the time, going, this is boring. <laughs> it does sound exactly like yawning. <laughs> yeah. God mode is also so much more powerful than in other games, right? In other games, you're just invulnerable. But in this game, you also have, mm. I don't know what, what it's called, this magic touch. I don't know. Yeah, you get this hand, this, this, this hand of God thing. Yeah. Which well, shoots out pointed people and balls of yeah. I don't know energy, and they they jump around between enemies and kill everything inside. It's very yeah, that's very very cool. But it's maybe all, that's also why he's so bored. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> too easy. <laughs> but it is very uh, very typical of this game. I think that that hand that is killing everyone. That's really uh, it's like a very memorable thing. Yeah. So so we've we've talked about most of the power ups now. Shall we talk about the couple others that I left? Sure. So there's a um, there's like a Mercury mode where you can fly, which is uh, pretty fun. You just like it's a short temporary flying thing, and there's a there's a few power downs which are funny. So there's like shrooms mode where you the screen it's it's like you just start like going dizzy and everything starts flashing <laughs> colors, and it's like you just have to wait for it to wear out. And then there's Elasto mode where you pretty much lose all friction and you start bouncing all over the place. <laughs> it's like pinball. It's like first first person pinball. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and um, oh yeah, there's also like random power ups. There's like a little um, item you get which randomizes whatever power up you get. Hmm. So you can you could get any of the power ups or the power downs. Oh, it's, this this shroom stuff. That's so nineties. Yeah, <laughs> this is so <laughs> drugs. Yeah, that's like oh man. Yeah, triple <laughs> A games don't really have this anymore. I feel it's. Uh... Oh, that's not that's not true. Oh, you should you should try near automata. Oh, ah, okay. And also, I mean, I don't, I don't know many many RPGs of the last ten years or so mm. have elements of drug use okay yeah you can like get drunk and get high in grand theft auto 5 and the screen gets all weird and stuff and it's funny (laughs) it's very much like that yeah yeah so maybe it's not such a try try the one from near i I tell you okay i can tell more because of the spoiler just try it i will i will try it (laughs) um we've listed all the power-ups maybe we should just go list the weapons because honestly i feel the weapons is really where the game shines um, because the levels we we will we'll discuss the levels in a bit, but 
I mean, I, I can see people getting lost, but I think everyone just loves the weapons in this you game. Know, they're so... I actually ended up using mostly the um, MP. But all the other ones, the the explosives, they're just, I don't know, they, they kept, I kept blowing up myself all the time. <laughs> Even more than in other games. I mean, uh, you, you know, there, there's splash damage in, in all the games, but this one, it's just over the top. Ah. Like the, there, there's one called the firebomb mm-hmm. and you, you shoot it and it, Essentially, it's like first-person Bomberman then. <laughs> and you have to run away from the blast. And it's just hilariously much yeah. damage that it does. So. You shouldn't use it in a, in a small, enclosed space. No. It's, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a dangerous weapon. <laughs> the thing about this game, though, is that there's a problem I have with the guns. Um, the first gun you get is a one-shot pistol. Once you get the double shot, you'll never go back to that again. Hmm. And, then, and then once you get an MP40, that's it. You're never going to use the other two guns again. Yep. Like you're going to use the MP40 from now. Yep. There's no reason, exactly. Yep. Because of the unlimited ammo, right? Right. Because normally, I mean, other shooters have this as well, but normally you're forced to use the the, the weaker weapons because you're simply out of bullets. So yep. what are you going to do? Yeah. But yeah. this game, hmm, that's true. Yeah. And uh, um, it's just like... you're. You, you, like you save and load, so when you die, you're you're most likely not going to start it from, with a pistol start. You're just going to load your old save up, and it's going to have all your weapons. So yeah, like you're never going to go back to those mm-hmm. pistol weapons again after getting the MP40. Mm. There, there's another thing that is made uh, mostly obsolete by the fact that you can um, save and load at will, and that is the entire um, life coin collecting mechanism. <laughs> yeah, so you, you can collect all of them because the game. Technically, it has lives, so you, you you have you can try a few times, and you need to pick up those coins to gain extra lives. But who does that really? Because <laughs> you just quick save and quick load whenever you want. Yeah, yeah. it's it, it's a lot like Mario, isn't it? Exactly. It's mm. like you're 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 collecting these coins for for no reason. Well, like what are you doing? Well, I, I guess you get you get. Do, do they give you points in the end? I guess they do. The only reason I collect them is because I love the way they sound. <laughs> just have a nice satisfying sound effect and that's why i collect them yeah i think it's a leftover from using the wolfenstein engine to be honest the the whole fact you have lives at all yeah is, yeah 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 i i think there was they're still sort of transitioning out of that mentality of when you sit down to play the game you play it all the way through and you don't you don't save mm. Uh, saves are just there so that when you have to go have dinner or something and turn off the computer yeah but uh but yeah, they probably expected a lot of people to to not try and save their games to see how, if they can just go through in one go. Mm. Well, they do offer a quick save button, and when you die, they ask you immediately, "Do you want to load quick save?" Yeah. So. Yeah. Me. Yeah. So it's just sort of the. <laughs> I guess it's just on that transition period to yeah. cater those people that do want to play it that way, and other people who don't can can use the quick save exactly. I think Descent 2 was the last game that did that. I'm surprised they did it that late. <laughs> yeah, the whole life thing doesn't really make sense when you think about it. If you're, I mean, it makes sense when you're in an arcade and you're paying quarters, but yeah. if you're at home anyway and you can save your game, then... Exactly. Well, there's more weapons, right? I mean, we've talked about the the fire bomb and the, and the, well, there's other missile weapons as well. There's like a normal bazooka, but there's also a heat seeking one. Uh, but the, the real star is the drunk missile. Yes. I mean, that's, that's just the best one. 
I think it's it's it shoots five or something. How many does it shoot? I don't know exactly. It shoots like a a lot. Like yeah, like it's about like five or six or something of these uh, randomly moving missiles. <laughs> but they do eventually like heat seek. Yeah. So like if you're if you've got a room full of enemies, like each missile will find one enemy, and it's really fun. Yeah, that's that's a great weapon. What I find very notable, though, is the split missile, because what they do, you shoot out and you hold the fire button, and as soon as you release it, they, they split into several missiles. And that's that's something that I haven't seen any game in that era do. So mm. that you get control over your bullets or your, your projectiles after you fired them. I mean, Half-Life does that, and I think Unreal Tournament does it, but besides that... Yeah, yeah, that is cool. It is kind of unique. Might be the first game. It's also very difficult. I had no idea they did oh, that. Sorry. I thought it was just a really terrible gun because if there's someone standing in front of you, you just hit the fire button and it shoots either side of them and misses them. Exactly. I did not know you could actually do that. It is a really difficult weapon to master in that regard because, yeah, if there's someone in front of you and you fire it, you you just miss because it's it splits <laughs> and then you you don't hit anything. Yeah. It's really good when you have like, Two people in front of you, but like not exactly like in, in the center. So you shoot a missile and then you split it and then it just yeah. takes them both out at the same time. Yeah, that's cool. Take some skill though, but yeah, that's that's yeah. Cool. Um we talked about the fire bomb, but have we talked about the flame wall, mm. which is also a, a fire-based weapon? That weapon is awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You shoot like a projectile at the ground. You can like um aim down for, you know so that you can get it to activate sooner if they're really close, if the enemies are really close. And it will just, like, shoot them. It will create a moving wall of flame, yeah. and it will, like, reduce everything in its path to bones. <laughs> it's great. Except for robots, though. Yeah, robots don't aren't affected by it. Because they have no bones. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they, they can only be killed by a direct missile. So even if you have a firebomb and you shoot it next to the robot, it won't kill it. It needs to be hit by the actual missile itself to be killed my favorite thing about the firebomb is the uh the xylophone tinkle sound of the the bones falling down (laughs) yes (laughs) that's classic that's that is really funny i love that that's so cartoony (laughs) that's uh yeah the whole game is really cartoony (laughs) yeah exactly i mean it's sort this sort of thing that really tells you this game is not really being all that serious exactly uh yeah also not Terribly serious. Um, the Excala bat, <laughs> which is a, a baseball bat, but it's it's magic. It's all it's got this green. What is it? Is it smoke or I don't know? It's got this green stuff floating around, like an aura. It's like a yeah, like a green aura. Yeah, and if you hold it down for a while, it will swing like a bunch of baseballs. Like not like the flame wall, but it will be pretty much like a wall of baseballs that will just explode <laughs> on impact. And it's like it's hilarious. They, you can use it to take out um, like a huge room full of enemies and stuff. It's really good to use at the very last level. You can also just whack enemies with it like a normal baseball and send them flying. Mm. Yeah, this is also one of those really goofy nineties. Just go with it. Just sort of random, really. I mean. This this doesn't really connect to anything in the game, but it's just it's just fun. I bet they just thought of it and just figured why not and tossed it in. Yeah, there's a fu- there's a funny picture in the in the the rot goodies pack. I think you can download this from the 3D Realms website. 
But um, there's like a rotten goodies pack and it has a bunch of pictures of the developers. And there's, I think, William Scarborough is just sitting there holding the bat with a funny smile on his face <laughs> at the at the develop developer computer. <laughs> it was it was really. Yeah, there's a lot of funny pictures in there. <laughs> that's cool. That's that's a good tip. We'll uh, put, put a link to that along with. the Yeah, post. yeah that's fun. I recommend it. Um, the last weapon is the is the magic staff, right? Is the yep. uh, the dark staff? I think it's called. Yep. It's it's pretty standard in comparison to the other weapon. I mean, it's just you shoot magic from it. It's basically and... like a like a missile weapon, except it can go through enemies, and it's a lot more powerful. Like if you're fighting against the monk enemies, which are really bullet spongy. Mm. It will take like two missiles to kill them, but with the dark staff, you can just hit them once, and it will, it will go, it will kill them, and it will go through them. And you know, if there's like a line of them, you'll just it'll wipe them out in one line. Yeah. Also, you you kind of have to choose what weapons to bring. I mean, you can't carry them all. Uh, most most shooters don't have. That's very modern. Exactly. That's actually yeah. Like I, for a game this silly, this is this is surprisingly realistic. I mean, yeah. Carrying all these weapons is... They have a very small amount of ammo, like 10 to 7 missiles only. And then you're, and then you're out and you got to find another one. It, yeah, it is realistic. But I mean, if you look at it, two pistols, a machine gun and a bazooka <laughs> are still fairly, yeah. <laughs> fairly hefty um, mm-hmm. arsenal to be carrying Definitely. around. <laughs> but still in the, in the level of, of movie logic, right? <laughs> it's sort not of. like other shooters. Well, okay, yes. Yeah. It's it's kind of surprising you can't just bring all the weapons, but yeah. I kind of find that that very cool. At least in the early levels, and as, as I said, I didn't play very far into the game, but it uh, it means that you don't have to save your your missiles because you you can't get lots of them anyway. So why not just mm. use them when you get them? So I actually use them a lot more than than I did in in Doom, for example, where I'm trying to conserve ammo f- of the better weapons. Yeah, I like it because it lets you use a lot more weapons like it like you know you get more variety it forces you to to experiment and use whatever you've got and it's just it's more i I enjoy that more it's it has a bit of a challenge and it has a bit of it lets you see all the other stuff because there's weapons in and doom that i just don't use very often like the chain gun i think i use the shotgun for long range and heretic i don't even use the the level 7 weapon at all i just that weapon i just ignore it so it's good that they let you you know they make you use all the weapons except for the pistols obviously <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah that is it's kind of surprising to have this strategic element <laughs> added to a game this silly it's uh you would think they would go overboard and just give you everything but huh yeah, though, interestingly, it does the exact opposite for me. Yeah. So instead of conserving ammo, I use it more. That's that's a mm. interesting result, I think. Yeah, exactly. So that's yeah. cool. That's cool. We've talked about a lot of the stuff that's in here. Well, not so much about the levels, though. So maybe we should talk a little bit more about the levels, because I think the levels... Easily the weakest point of the game. Easily. Yeah, that's where people might struggle, um, especially the size. I read somewhere that they can be up to a million square feet or something, which I don't know. It, that it helps that, uh, that you have an auto map, but it also doesn't help that much. Yeah, no, it's not a very good auto map. No, I've, I've played games with better. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and what also doesn't help is that the textures are so similar. Like, mm. you constantly feel you've been there before. And it's like, was it this place or that place? And you, it's, it's yeah, easy to just lose your sense of navigation and, yeah, just be lost, essentially. All, all the walls are at 90-degree angles, so you're never going to find, like, the obtuse and acute angles of walls that were in doom yeah. and stuff like that. So it's very, it's not exactly like the prettiest uh, engine to look at. <laughs> no, that's just a technical limitation of the way they render. And I guess there's no way around it. They could have probably used the doom engine, but... I don't think oh, well. so. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get into this in a bit. Well, but... may, maybe not for legal reasons, but I mean, technically they could have. So I think the build engine was was still in development. Yeah. It was, was in development at the time, but I, I think the, the shareware came out in 94, so it was really like not... Yeah. Not as ready. refined. It was not ready, yeah. Yeah. So I guess Wolf 3D engine was their only bet. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, I, I still think there were some other Wolf... I, I was playing... Um, uh, Blake Stone recently, which is another game in the same engine, uh, and to me that was just, even though that was has very maze-like levels, I just found that much easier to navigate. All the areas felt different. They all had their own themes and, and the way the rooms were designed. You could tell, oh, yeah, I'm in this sort of section of this of this level because the rooms look like this. Uh, and that there, yeah, that was sort of my problem with Rise of the Triad. It almost mm-hmm. it almost felt like the levels were procedurally generated, like like it was a <laughs> yeah. roadblock or something, and it's just random blobs of things linked together. Yeah, they they lack guidance. You, you never really know what you're what you're working towards. Yeah, right? in some sections you 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 know you need a key, but then where's the key? It's yeah. not in the logical place. It's just somewhere randomly on the map, <laughs> and you have to get there somehow. Yeah. So in, in in more modern games, you get a lot more guidance where where you have to go next, mm. and it's all more linear, and that. That may sound more boring, but it also makes for easier navigation. And there's nothing more frustrating than having killed all the enemies in the map and just running around for <laughs> half an hour, not finding the next door. That's yeah, I can exactly. tell you, that's super frustrating. Yeah, I'm not even sure if it's a modern thing. I mean, Doom is really streamlined as well in this regard. Yep. So it's just... Well, I guess it's a choice as well. I mean, they were going for this expansive world and and I think they were going for a they wanted you to explore it, but it's just a bit you you just feel lost, which isn't a great feeling. So what what kind of monastery is that? <laughs> <laughs> I want to speak to the architect because <laughs> I mean, for for architecture, that's one reason, and the sheer size of this place—it's just so ginormous. It's yeah, I don't know. it's the size of a city. It's a big. <laughs> There's island. also like a ton of secrets. I was surprised when I saw how many secrets were in just the first level. There's like 45 of them. What? Like, what are these people doing with their moving walls? Like, they're hiding <laughs> porridge and coins behind the moving walls and stuff. Like, kind of monastery. Uh, no, I like I like all the death traps too. You walk into a room and all of a sudden all these people just die because there's spinning blades flying at them. How, <laughs> how do they survive when you're not around? I I, I That's wanna, a I good question. For real. Maybe they're just so confused when you enter. And they're just like, what? Ooh. <laughs> yeah, but it seems a hazardous workspace, you know? I mean, it's just <laughs> all these spinning blades and stuff. It, and also the weird stairs. They have this weird floating stairs. 
I guess cults don't have workplace safety rules. But. <laughs> That's very apparent. <laughs> and this is, I think, the real problem that this game is addressing. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of uh, secrets, but also like Easter eggs and, and in-jokes. And um, I see here in the notes something about Apogee's phone number. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The So there's a secret in the game where you find Scott Miller's head. You know, Scott Miller's the president of Apogee at the time, and there's a Easter egg of his head in the game. <laughs> and uh, you can actually collect it, and it will say, like, it's like a sound, it'll say, Scott's mystical head. <laughs> and then and then it will say, you've got, like, 2,700,400 and something, blah, blah, blah. It's a very specific number, but it's the phone number of Apogee, and that's how many uh... points you get for collecting Scott's mystical head. It's a funny inside joke from the yeah. developers in the game. Ah, uh, that's hilarious. Yeah. You can really tell that they had a lot of fun making this. Exactly, yeah. That's they were just goofing and it's just yeah, that's that's really cool. Um what's also funny is all these the stuff is like randomized, isn't it? Uh it, it it already starts in the menu. When you start a new game, you can choose your uh level of difficulty, your uh there's there's four levels I think or something. But the descriptions, they're they're random, aren't they? So each time you start a new game, they have different descriptions. Yeah. yeah. Will of knees or will of <laughs> will of iron, knees of jello. <laughs> exactly. I am a chew toy. Exactly. All that. <laughs> so that's really funny. And and it's the same way with the deaths. They have these these death uh screens, these pop-ups, very uh Sierra-like, uh with a little uh, icon to the left with a I don't know. Well, is it is it just yeah? It is just the death screens. I was thinking, do the quit messages also have? Actually, it is the quit messages. I think which yeah. have this. I got it mixed up. Yeah, it's the quit messages which have you like implying that you're dying or something. I don't know. It's... Press Y to pour the acid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's all yeah. And there's there's one with I don't know. There's weapons and stuff. It's like. Well, what is what are they doing? What is this? It's like just goofing and having fun. So that's that's really cool. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the levels uh, did cause some some trouble for for some of the players. I mean, I read on the forums people not really being into it. I think that's mostly because of the large, complicated levels. Yeah. So for me, that's less of a problem. I just. Yeah, I think I think I said it before. I just wish the areas within the level had some sort of differentiation of just yeah. the textures had a bit more color and and exactly. like like yeah, you kind of felt like there was some kind of theme or, or connecting tissue rather than just one empty blob after after another and it's all gray and brown. Mm. Just something to guide you. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and something to just just give it some character to give it give it a, a personality. I, I, the levels itself, I mean, not the game as a whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could have used more. I don't know items or just yeah, something like sprites, to... like decorations or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We've not really talked about the structure of the game. It's it's really classic, isn't it? It's like split into these episodes, uh, like a lot of these 90s shooters are. 
So I think the the main game is four episodes, isn't it? Yes, it's four, and they can't be selected individually. Like Doom, you select um, Knee Deep in the Dead, Shores of Hell, and Inferno. This one just starts always at E one M one, and it just you mm. know goes through them in order. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's really like a a story progression. It's like one, exactly. yeah. Um, and there's a there's an end boss at the end of each of them, right? Yes, uh, the and the first boss is General Darian. The second is Sebastian Christ. The third is the enemy, which is this crazy robot, which is, it's really funny. <laughs> and the the fourth one is El Oscuro, played by Tom Hall. Like uh, the sprite and the voice, both are done by Tom Hall. It's nice. It's pretty funny. Nice. <laughs> and he's like <laughs> the big cult leader. Like the yeah yeah. I also in the goodies pack that I mentioned earlier, there's pictures of Tom Hall dressed in the full uniform, and all the characters dressed in their like other developers uh, played the enemies in the game, and mm. it shows them all in uniform, and it's actually really cool. Yeah, I think that's actually how they got the the images into the game. I think they actually dressed yep. up and and then took uh, pictures. So that's right. Yeah, that's a that's a fun way if you. Uh, I don't know if you're if you're not an artist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like real acting. <laughs> so, yeah. But not real, but yeah. Yeah, that's funny. And it's it's also in that old school tradition of uh doing it all yourself. I mean, nowadays you trip like these big games they don't even think about doing the voices themselves or something. They always hire actual talent, which is I mean, that's that's cool in its own way, but it's kind of funny that it's all just people from the office and, and yeah. yeah. It mm. is, it is, it is. It's like a, it's like a product of its time. Mm. You just don't see that anymore. Yeah. Well, Unless it's like, you know, a small indie game or something. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. I think that covers a lot of the, like the, the content of the game. Um, maybe we should talk a little bit about like, like the background and and how it came to be, stuff like that. Because it's, uh, like was mentioned in the voice messages, it is sort of interesting. Um, Because, well, I think to explain this, you have to start at Wolfenstein probably, right? Yeah. You could go back even further because the Wolfenstein engine uh, was used in a couple of games before that. So the Catacomb 3D games, and even before that, an mm-hmm. uh, even, even older game, uh, Hover Tank. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And those yeah. were all developed by id, I think. Yes. Um, and, and Wolfenstein, of course, being published through Apogee. So this is what got them working together and, and started this, well, ginormous movement within the gaming industry. I mean, these guys are really changing the whole way the industry worked i feel yeah uh so yeah but yeah so so wolfenstein was was it making this 3d shooter and apogee was uh publishing it and i think what happened is that when they moved on to their their next game after this which which would be doom tom hall he left it software because of creative differences, I think. Yeah, with John Carmack. Exactly. Because I think John Carmack and, and, and John Romero as well, they were going for this really tight, you know, fast-paced corridor shooter. And and actually, I think Tom Hall wanted something more large and open and 
also something with multiple characters, I think. Um, I think there's an old Doom beta which has four characters or something. So you can already, already sort of see this in, in Rise of the Triad, right? Because you also have the, the multiple characters and, and the more open nature to the levels. So mm. I guess Tom Hall wanted something more like Rise of the Triad. Yeah, you can still see a lot of uh, Tom Hall's work in uh, the finished version of Doom and in Doom 2 for that matter. Mm. But Rise of the Triad was where he really got his own, you know, game and the his own game going. Yeah, exactly. It was like more put in charge of the project instead of just being a cog in the machine, like working with these. It must have been difficult as well. I mean, when you have these forces of nature type people <laughs> like like John Carmack, it's it's kind of hard to go against their will, I imagine. So definitely, yeah. So I think what happened is that he left it software in the end and he joined Apogee uh, because Apogee wanted to make their own games and make their own shooters like this. I mean, they were obviously very happy with what it software was doing, but yeah, they just wanted to make more of this stuff themselves and, and publish it. So I think this is how they got to use the Wolfenstein engine, which they obviously had from releasing Wolfenstein earlier. And then they got Tom Hall aboard. Uh, and so while It Software was making Doom, they started to make this... Well, it was going to be the sequel to Wolfenstein at first. It was going to be called Wolfenstein 3D Part 2, Rise of the Triad. Um, yeah. But I think in the end, It Software wasn't so happy for Apogee to be using the Wolfenstein IP without their involvement. Yeah, I think it was partially uh, because Wolfenstein was such a big name already and so well known. They didn't want it overshadowing Doom. I think that was part mm. of part of the reason as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean this this was a, I mean it was a sort of a complicated uh, relation. I mean it wasn't it wasn't a bad relation or anything. I mean these guys were not trying to be. Uh, well, they were essentially friends, mm. so it's it must be hard to then say, "Well, I'd rather have you not using this." I mean, this must have been a bit, and also with Tom Hall leaving, it must have been all a bit tricky to uh, to to keep the mood right and keep everyone happy with this. Yeah, I read a book about this whole thing. Uh, a book, you know, the Masters of Doom is a famous book. Mm. And it explains all of this in really, really, really good detail um, about the falling out that Carmack and Tom Hall had. And yeah, yeah, very interesting. Well, that's I'm sure that's recommended reading. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, reading material to everyone who is into this sort of stuff. I think you read it too, Florian, or haven't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sadly, my memory is bad, so I don't, don't really remember many of the things. But. <laughs> I was hoping you could help us out here, but... No, sorry. Okay, well. <laughs> well, anyway. So, yeah. They, it wasn't going to be the, the Wolfenstein sequel anymore, and Tom Hall was in charge of the project. And, well, they assembled this team at Apogee, right? Um, the, calling themselves the developers of Incredible Power. I think that's the... Uh, that's the moment when they were all, yeah, we're going to do this. And and actually, at this time, the build engine was already 
uh, in progress. Like they already, Apogee already asked Ken Silverman to make this engine for them um, because, well, they couldn't really use the, the Doom engine, I guess, even though they were still, well, I mean, Doom was still published by Apogee, wasn't it? I guess, I guess they couldn't use that. So they had to work with the Wolfenstein engine as the build engine wasn't ready yet. Um, so what they did is sort of incredible. I mean, maybe Florian can explain this better than me because he's more technically inclined, but they really pushed this engine to the limits, I feel. Yeah, I think they did pretty much almost everything that you can do with a classic Raycaster engine. I mean, technically you could do a bit more, like real different height level, the floor levels and stuff like that. But that changes so much about the performance characteristics that I think that's just not feasible for for an engine that runs on this kind of machine. But the other changes that they made, they are like the classic things that you add to a, a Raycaster engine once you get a bit more processing power than what you needed for Wolfenstein. Mm. And that is stuff like the textures and the lighting. Well, textures, um, Wolfenstein has textures textures on the walls. Um, there is no real difference between that. So, um, But what they did was add textures to the floor and to the ceiling, as well as add a skybox and um, mm-hmm. different height wall, uh, like different wall heights. Um, this lighting effect that stuff gets darker the farther away from the camera it is, which is, I guess, an idea they took over from from Doom. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that you can look up and down, which looks a bit weird um, when you look at it, because mm-hmm. it's, it's just like tricking the engine to shift stuff around a bit without actually doing like perspective correction. And um, yeah, that, that's why things look a bit um, distorted when you look up and down in the game. But well, it, it works for a small mm. for small angles at least. Exactly. One thing that is really cool is that the light will get darker if you shoot out light sources. So there's like uh, lamps and torches and stuff and things from the ceiling. You can actually shoot those out and the room will get darker. That's super nice. It can get really, really dark sometimes if you like shoot out every light. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. And that's definitely not in Wolfenstein 3D at all. No, so. they're just like, um, is it like, I don't know, I, I thought it was force fields, but it's probably more like like glass that you can shoot through. That is where everything is a bit darker behind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there's and then, transparency. And that, that's, that's a very yeah, nice effect. exactly. And I think John Carmack actually helped them out with all the texture stuff um, because he's in the thanks. He's in like in the credits. So I think they they he helped them out by showing some Doom code or something. I don't yeah, know, it's, it's important to note that rendering floors and ceilings in this kind of engine, that's, that's really expensive in terms of processing power. Mm. I, I guess that's why the game also has an option to turn it off. Yeah, that might also be why there's no like actual um, stairs in the game rather, instead just using like sprite platforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, yeah. It's it's sort of hacked in, isn't it? Yeah. This whole stair yeah, level you, thing. You need yeah. to change more about the engine when you want real different floor levels or, or stairs. So that's that's why they, um, by both the build engine and the Doom engine, used a completely different approach mm-hmm. than, than this engine. So this is like a classic Raycaster where you shoot a ray through each um, column of your screen and you see what wall it hits and then you just draw the wall. That's that's a really straightforward way to render. And yeah, the right. thing is, you, when you do more, more complex stuff, this gets really, really expensive. While in, in, in Doom, for example, they found different ways to do it that are more complex but are really easier on the CPU when you do the final drawing. 
What I found sort of interesting is that this group, the the developers of Incredible Power, as they called themselves, um, they didn't really make more games in exactly this setup, but essentially this is sort of the same team that made Duke Nukem 3D. Uh, a lot of the people in this team are also part of Rise of the Triad. So that's, I mean, it's it's... Apogee or 3D Realms, as they later called themselves. It's, I guess, it's their 3D first-person shooter team, uh, which has some famous names in them. Um, I put a little list here with some of the overlapping names. For example, Chuck Jones is in there. Steve Hornbeck, James Story. The music is also made by Lee Jackson and Bobby Prince, just like Duke Nukem. Um, Robert Atkins, Joe Siegler. Is is one uh, name that pops up? It, it's fun that uh, Joe Siegler. I think he worked on some of the levels, uh, but he also maintains a, a cool blog. He has his own website, and it's filled with all these stories of you know how he worked at Apogee, how he worked on Rise of the Triad, and I think also some Duke Nukem 3D and other stuff. So that's that's a fun thing to check out. So yeah, in a lot of ways, I think you can sort of sense that it's a precursor to Duke Nukem 3D, right? It also has this open level stuff with breakable uh, items and, and lots of silliness. And it's sort of in that same vein, I feel. Yeah, it does seem like a, a bit of a precursor in a lot of ways. Obviously, yeah, obviously just Duke 3D just uh, just made made everything a lot better. Just see much better engine and uh, and level design. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, take take this game and add some voiceover to the player character that uh, says lots of silly things, and you essentially have Duke 3D. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for yes. sure, for sure. Yeah, and I think they also felt well. The the landscape was really changing in this time. You know, I mean, a game like Wolfenstein 3D had come out in '92, and it was impressive for its time, but it was only two or three years later and and things had really massively shifted in terms of what the audience expected like graphics fidelity and just interactive stuff that could happen so i think they really felt compelled to just throw in as much stuff as they could possibly manage uh just to compete with you know the other stuff that was coming out doom and just all the 3d games that were popping up so yeah. Being a post-Doom game, I think you couldn't go back to stuff that looked like Wolf 3D. So I guess that's why they exactly. just maxed out the engine as much as they could, just to make it... Mm. I mean, they they have less um, graphics power than, than Doom, but they make up for that with more features. So Yeah, exactly. I don't know what Tom Hall is doing nowadays, actually. Going by his Twitter account, it seems he's really into Pico 8 development. You know, Pico 8. And uh, he's... Yeah, he's posting about that a lot and he's just fun to follow on twitter it's just uh he's a, he's a really cool guy uh let's see it says here that he worked on terminal velocity after rise of the triad then also on juke nukem 3d and prey uh and then he worked with john romero again where he uh, co-founded ion storm uh and that's the company who made Deus Ex, right? Yep. But the other half of the company, right? <laughs> so. I don't think, yeah, I don't think Tom Hall directly was involved. Although it says here he was one of the voices of the characters. So Yeah, Tom Hall voices Walton Simons in the game Deus Ex. 
Huh. And uh, he does a good job, I think. <laughs> I actually really love that game. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure what he's otherwise up to nowadays. I mean, he seemed to have wor- kept working in games. He he worked for Midway a while after that, but also did some independent like consultation work, stuff like that. So, I don't know, just part of the game industry, I guess. Wikipedia says he works at Play First since 2013, but I'm not sure if he still works there now, which what is, what even is Play First? It's like a casual game studio or something. Ah, they made Dinner Dash, right? That's a big series. If you're listening, Tom, <laughs> tell us what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked a little bit about the graphics, of course. It's all VGA, right? Yeah. It's all just 320 by 200. Or is it higher risk? I don't believe it even goes higher than 320 by 200. I think that's the... I think that's all you get with this game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's still very much VGA game. Yeah, and there apparently there are no. Even though the source code is available, I don't think anyone has made a proper source port yet. So that's right. Would be huh. would be easy to to do that. I think. Well, maybe maybe there's your project, Florian. <laughs> <laughs> there should be one coming soon, actually, from 3D Realms. Um, they announced it uh, like seven months ago, and um, and they they recently Apogee just recently said they were going to do some stuff with Rise of the Triads. So it might there might be a source port coming in the future, like a remaster. Huh. that's something to look out for. Yeah, but if we look beyond the graphics, there's also a pretty impressive audio part of this game. I feel um, absolutely. I mean, all the, all the voices and the sound effects, that, that's all kind of cool. But I think the music's pretty mm-hmm. pretty fun as well. Yeah. Bjorn actually made lots of recordings of wow. music. Um, I have them all here. Do, shall, shall we listen to some of them, to something in specific? My, my favorite ones are Run Like Smeg. Uh, so that might be a good one to play. Let's, let's listen to it. I think this was um, on some kind of MIDI device or something, right? Yeah. So I, I, I actually, I was originally going to use my All32 uh, and different sound fonts to record these, 
but that died while I was trying to do that. So I ended up doing it on a Sound Blaster Live, which which has basically the same capability. So a lot of the different tracks, I've used different um, sound fonts. Uh, so there's a there's a Roland one, and there's a uh, uh, just the standard Sound Blaster one. The, I used a Gravis Ultrasound one, and then there's um, there's one called Fine GM, which is just this like massive project one guy did to just make try and make like the perfect sound font. Wow. Uh, yeah, so there's one or two tracks there, but um, I think it's pretty clear that the composers used a Roland device because most of the most of the tracks do sound best with the Roland sound font. Mm. Shall we look or listen to an SC55 version? Sounds like a plan. Yeah, definitely. That's that's I guess that this one is called Rot, so I think that's probably just the title theme. Yep. Let's take a listen. sounds very much like um, like an action movie, the intro sequence of an action movie with lots of suspense. Nothing really is happening mm. yet, but you know stuff is going to happen soon. Yeah. Yeah, the music in general really has a cinematic vibe to me. It's all... Yeah. It's cool. Um, do you... Do we also have a recording what it's like on, on uh, like an FM chip? OPL, AdLib, that sort of thing? Or... I've um, uploaded it to my YouTube channel, but I don't have a recording of it here, unfortunately. I can take one from a YouTube channel if you want. Because this this MIDI stuff, um, like Bjorn said, I think the composers probably used some Roland device because they were pretty popular among those sorts of music fanatics, you know? Um, so so I think it's really cool that they supported all this this MIDI stuff and then... Yeah, people could try to get the best sounds of them. But I, I think probably most people in the mid-90s were just listening through the FM chip of their Sound Blaster. Yeah. I imagine. Yeah, yeah, that's how I had it too. And one interesting thing to note is that this game has two different um, FM soundtracks. Like, they're, they sound very different. There's from the version 1.2, which is like, it sounds lower quality, in my opinion, at least. It doesn't sound as, like, you know... It, as beautiful as 1.3 sounds they they do sound very different and the version that i've uploaded to my youtube channel is the only one i know of online that has the 1.3 soundtrack everything else is the 1.2 and uh, it's interesting to just compare the two (laughs) 
Gotta say, I, I love I love OPL music. I, I, I maybe there, there are not many people. I think <laughs> yeah. people are like, oh, I, I love yeah. the switch. If everything else sucks, but come on, yeah, no, no, I love. I definitely love the OPL too. No, I think I, I think comparing the recordings I did to this, um, I kind of almost prefer the OPL for a lot of tunes as well. They're very horns heavy, and if you've got a sound font with like pre-recorded sound, horns are very tricky to get right. They either sound too realistic or not realistic enough. Um, whereas with OPL, it just sounds completely synthy. So, um, mm. which, yeah, which, which works, but, um, yeah, when you're kind of in that middle uncanny Valley ground, um, doesn't, yeah, it doesn't always work as well. Yeah, definitely. It's, yeah, it's, it's a tricky thing because also you, you don't know as a, as a composer, you don't know what samples or, or, you know, you don't know what people are listening to actually. You don't know what hardware they have, what sound fonts they have loaded. So, mm. yeah, with this FM stuff, it's maybe easier to get it to sound more or less like how people will listen to it. Although, actually, OPL chips can also vary wildly. So, it's all it's all it's all a bit of a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, thanks a lot for for the recordings. I mean, that's uh, that's really cool to listen to. So. No worries. I, I think the music is pretty nice to this game. Yeah, it's so. definitely got good music. 
and yeah, a lot of different tracks too. Some some games from the era recycle tracks, but I think most levels have got their own individual soundtracks, don't they? Uh, yeah, that's right. They they do reuse a few here mm. and there, but yeah, overall it's it's pretty varied. It's got a nice uh, selection, and you can actually just like listen to them if you're playing the game. You type D I P S dipstick, you know D I P S D I K that enables the cheats. Yeah. Then you type Maestro. <laughs> M-A-E-S-T-R-O, and then you get the jukebox. You just choose any song you want and listen to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Kind of, kind of weird that the, the jukebox is cheap. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yep. why not just enable it from the menu? But, yeah. oh, well. Oh, well. If we look at the different releases this game had, it's, it's quite a lot, honestly, because... Um, I guess it started with the shareware release, which was released in December '94. Um, that's that's the hunt begins, right? Because the different versions have different taglines or yeah. what do you call these. But typically, with these games, the, the shareware release is just the first episode, and then you can order to buy the rest. But in this game, that's not quite the case is it now the first episode is its own unique set of levels which is really cool so if you were to play the shareware and then the full game you actually play through five episodes rather than four wow yeah i think that that's super weird i mean in the end mm-hmm. you, you buy you buy the full version and you don't get the first episodes and if you if nobody tells you that the first episodes <laughs> on the shareware uh, are different then maybe you never play the first ones, even though you paid for the full game yeah if you buy this game you don't get the whole thing that's just yeah. really weird. But it is what it is. <laughs> Maybe they had size issues or something. I wanted to save one floppy. I don't know, <laughs> because actually doesn't the, the the back of the box boast about how many megabytes this game is? I think it has a bullet point like <laughs> 24 megabytes of content, something like that. So <laughs> surely they were looking for more and not less. So I don't know. I don't know why they didn't include it. Maybe the engine only supports four. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> but yeah, so the shareware episode is is its own thing. And then the retail... Well, actually, the retail version has multiple editions as well because it it was released on both floppy disk and on CD. Um, and I guess they both have the same campaign, more or less. But the CD version has more multiplayer levels, right? The CD version is actually the one that comes with like all the extra stuff, like the goodies and stuff that I was talking about. I don't mm-hmm. think the floppy version comes with any of that. The CD version also comes with a random level generator. So you can actually create, you can just type randrot. Um, it's the program and then the number of levels and how difficult, how mazy you want it. And it will just generate a bunch of levels for you to just play randomly. Wow. And uh, yeah, it's really cool. It it also came with the original level editor, the TED Five editor, and it came with all kinds of like the pictures and stuff and uh, maps and it's it's yeah a lot of cool extras came on the CD, and uh, that's all available on the 3D Realm site for free uh, if you want to just download it and check it out. That's awesome. That's a good tip. Yeah, we we'll yeah. definitely have to link to that. There's also a, uh, you mentioned this before, the Extreme Rise of the Triad edition. Yes. Although I think that was made a year later or something, right? Yes. Uh, Extreme Rot was made in 1996 by Tom Hall and Joe Siegler. And it's not, it's not a good game. <laughs> it's not the best. It's not the best. It's uh, 
intentionally made for people who beat the original game on the hardest difficulty. Mm. And it, it's just, it's, it's, it's evil. Like the level design is so brutal and uh, just yeah. sadistic. I've yeah. beaten it, but oh, wow. at the cost of my, at the total cost of my sanity, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolutely grueling, oh, but man. I kind of enjoy it in a way. It's, it's got like a, <laughs> a fun challenge. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a lot of levels though. It's like 40 extra levels or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, and they're very heavily reliant on gimmicks and like sort of bugs that you, that you didn't really need to use in the game. So like there's rocket jumps and there's all kinds of crazy stuff you got to do. This is really early for rocket jumping though. Yeah. It's like the, the first game that even ever had it. There's like a required rocket jump somewhere in it. I think. Wow. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. There's also Winrot, which is just Rise of the Triad for Windows. Yep. Um, it, that, that's that's not really diff- different in any meaningful way, right? Except it's it's not as good. Uh, it's 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 you know compatible with Windows. It uses like the the MIDI soundtrack, but the it just looks like it doesn't look good. It's like stretched a little bit. Mm. The aspect ratio. Hmm. And I don't think there's any way to fix that. So oh, uh, that's weird. I think it's still best to just play this game in DOSBox until the, the remaster comes out. Exactly, because that's the thing that Apogee announced um, that might be coming out. I don't know, soon, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> fingers crossed. There's also a, a completely unrelated modern reboot, I guess, uh, that was released in 2013. Yes, I was really excited for this game, but uh, it was kind of disappointing when it came out. It's not like terrible, but uh, it's just um, it, one thing I do like is that it does uh, keep a lot of the original humor of the rot of the original rot because the original rot was very goofy, and the remake does continue that tradition. Hmm. But it's just got a lot of bugs and is not really the best programmed game, unfortunately. Hmm. Yeah, and it's it's. What I find a bit unfortunate is it's also just called Rise of the Triad, which means if you go Googling for that now, you you get just stuff mixed up. Yeah. I mean, mm. it's... Uh, I hate when they do that. <laughs> yeah. So it's... Yeah. If you're not already sort of familiar with these exact games, then it can be really confusing to see what is what yeah. and what's going on. So. One thing about this game that I do appreciate, though, is that this, uh, as far as I know, is the game that kickstarted this whole recent revival of retro uh, first-person shooters. Like, as far as I know, this is the first one that started the whole Dusk, a medieval um, thing. It was made by the same people who made those games, actually, the the Raw remake. And I feel, yeah. Okay. So it does have a positive, um, few positives about it, and that, and it's, you know legacy right yeah yeah that's that is cool but i don't think any of the original people were, were involved with the exactly, 2013 yeah. I game so. i mean it's it's yeah no right so that's a separate thing if you go into steam or gog or whatever uh just make sure you get the right version i mean you can check them both out but just be aware that there's a two games under the same name which are completely unrelated so yep. that's mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of confusing does anyone know what kind of scores did game this game got when it came yeah, out i just checked huh. 
So turns out it had quite favorable reviews, but not not like like top of the top of the crop, mm. right? So the the first one of the best review that's essentially from the time is from Coming Soon magazine, which gave it ninety points in, in Moby Games normalized uh, one hundred point system. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, it, it it the review is full of of mistakes. What <laughs> so, um, the the short the short excerpt that they have on Moby Games says um, with a license from its software, Apogee used the powerful Doom engine <laughs> and it many what? interesting features. It's like uh, no, but I can see how you can how you can mess that up or mix it up because um, some of the visual effects that they use in this game are actually taken over from from Doom quite literally, like this um, diminished lighting where stuff gets darker. Mm. And another thing they mentioned here that I just um, thought about that we forgot to talk about in the gameplay discussion, um, you can actually disable the vertical um, auto-aim, right, in the game, but you cannot map the mouse to look up and down. <laughs> hmm. That, yeah. Isn't that, yeah. Isn't that super weird? <laughs> that is weird. <laughs> I mean, especially because it's so obvious to just use the mouse. You can already use it to aim left and right, but then why not use it to aim up and down if you have to aim up and down anyway? <laughs> But it, it does the same thing that that Wolf and um, and Doom do, where you move the mouse forward or backward, and it will just move the character forward or backward. That's super strange. Yeah. One thing that is really annoying is how you it will just automatically like look up when you want to shoot up. Like in Doom, it doesn't do that; it just shoots upward, you know. Mm. But in this game, like you, your whole character mm. starts looking up when you want to shoot, and I don't like that. <laughs> And it's a little bit dicey sometimes what it decides is worth looking up for exactly. and what isn't. You suddenly <laughs> see your, your vision going all over the place going, what are you, <laughs> what are you doing? Well, the, the thing with Doom, with Doom is Doom yeah. doesn't support looking up, up and down. So. No. That's true, yeah. They couldn't if they wanted to. So, Well, I was just looking at, uh, at our forums meanwhile and I saw that our trusty uh, friend, Good old Richard. Yes, exactly. Uh, he has a stack of old magazines and he scanned in some Rise of the Triad reviews for us. Um, and actually, I, I just wanted to say, like what you said, Florian, that they mistake this for a Doom clone. Well, PC Format opens the review by saying, another day, <laughs> another Doom clone. So, ah, these reviewers, man. They have no. I, I think. I think. I mean, they didn't say it's, it's using the engine, but these coming soon magazine people said they used the mm. engine. I think after Doom, all shooters were just called Doom. Yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah. So they actually give it a an eighty three score, which, well, that's also sort of high up there, right? Um, and they say it's a new slant on the Doom game style. And they like that the fact there's over 30 massive bloody levels and it's slicker than an oil spill. (laughs) (laughs) But in the end, they don't like how uh, large the levels are. And yeah, it feels just a bit lost. So yeah, I guess that's a fair review. And actually PC Zone, there's there's a review by PC Zone here as well which he also scanned in. And they have basically the same conclusion. They give it an 82 and they say, it's great fun over a network, but take 10 off the score if you only play on your own. So not particularly impressed with the Hmm. single player campaign, I suppose. I've always wanted to try the multiplayer because it sounds so much fun and and just 
like reading about it, it made it sound amazing. All the crazy things that you mm. can do in multiplayer. There's like 11 players you could use. And I think it's, yeah, it sounded so chaotic and fun. I wish I could have experienced it. Yeah, that's really something that maybe we can still try to organize. Because I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> and the issue with, with games um, it, that, that use IPX or something, um, the latency when you play across multiple continents, like we probably would, mm. that's, that's really killing yeah. those games. We tried yeah, with Doom. Yeah, difficult. That, was, that doesn't, really, doesn't really work. They don't have lag compensation probably. I don't know about ROT. But, uh, Unreal uh, Tournament worked pretty good. Uh, I played it a little bit. Oh, yeah, but that's that's designed for the internet. That's true. Yeah. yeah, you're right. But anyway, thanks, thanks, Richard, for for scanning in these <laughs> magazine reviews. Yeah. So looking at those um, Moby Games reviews a bit more, they are all like there are some some bad ones, like like sixty percent or so. And apparently, there was a an iPhone port okay. in 2010 that got <laughs> terrible reviews. <laughs> like I had a port on my PSP, which was pretty bad. <laughs> Man, that's confusing, you know. But yeah. In general, it's it's kind of up there, but it's not like super high tier scores. So not not bad, not 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 super good. Yeah, I mean that, that, was, that, that this is ninety five, mm. so 80, 80 out of one hundred is still a good rating for mm-hmm. that time. Yeah, very good. So do we agree with that? Yeah, I, I mean the the core gameplay, the the shooting mechanic, and and that that's all really fun still still nowadays. But level design mm. and and some of the features they are they are a bit out of place and level design really broke it for me like like we've mentioned a few times uh, may, maybe if I got like a walkthrough or something just to look up where to go next <laughs> that's probably what I would need to actually continue the <laughs> game yeah but other than that the the the, the shooting and and stuff like that that's that's perfect fun mm-hmm. yeah I think it's definitely you could definitely recommend it for someone you mightn't. You mightn't want to play it all the way through, but it's certainly worth just experiencing the gameplay and and the craziness of it. Definitely, I think everyone should experience the the eyeball thing <laughs> and you know <laughs> all the goofy little things that this game has to offer. I, it's it's just really really fun just to just to see it and to experience it. Mm. Yeah, and I think also if you're particularly interested in the history of of how this first person uh, shooter genre developed it's really interesting to see the steps from wolfenstein to doom to this and then later quake and juke nukem it's uh it's it's right in between like it's it's not it's still vga it's still sprites it's still ray casting but they're really trying to push what they can do with this uh, technology so it's it's interesting to see that i feel yeah and i guess it really shines if you're on a like a local network so maybe it's a perfect uh, LAN party game. Mm. Oh, we're still planning this um, DGC LAN party once this mess is over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it seems, it seems like a good candidate for, for playing on a local network. I think we've covered quite a lot. Did we forget mm-hmm. anything notable? Did we miss something? Is there something we should say? Has cool menus. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I like the way they they flip mm. around like a three D you know slab that just flips when you select that's, something. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Oh, the um, uh, not to spoil anything, but the shareware ending has a hilarious <laughs> yes. ending. It's really funny. Yeah, it's 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 really really funny. And the um, 
the original game has two separate endings. There's like a, there's like when you, if you just kill the boss, um, it's not like, you know, you get a bad ending, but you have to like find, you know, the, the, all the little, he's like the boss has these little larvae and you have to destroy them and then you oh. get the real ending. And it's, 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 it's a, I don't know how many DOS games that did that with no, multiple endings. Not. Well, not, not shooters. Uh, at least mm. the first, yeah. first person shooters. Yeah. As first person yeah. shooters, especially. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good to know. Right. So yeah, that's, that's Rise of the Triad. I guess um, we have some club stuff to get through. So uh, the first thing that we should uh, do right now is the contest. Because we had a contest run- running for March, didn't we, Florian? Yep. Yep, we did. Uh, I think it was announced in the Master of Magic episode, uh, which was released early March and then, well, the contest ran for the whole of March. Mm-hmm. Um, the prize is a boxed copy of Slipspeed. Which is clearly the best top-down racing single-player game released for DOS in 2020, right? It's it's the best <laughs> DOS game released by Thomas Voxel Purnell in the year 2020, <laughs> for sure. That's, that, that's, that's something we can be very sure of. <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, developed for the DOS Games Jam, which uh-huh. ran last year. We talked about it in the yep. episode we did. And I made the music for it. Ooh. So that's cool. Uh, and that's also the reason why the publisher sent me two boxed copies. Yeah, there's this publisher, Bitmap Soft in the UK, who decided to put the game into a box, uh, onto a floppy disk, which is actually really cool. And And because I worked on it... They they gave me an extra copy, so that's the one we're giving away. Yeah, I, I paid them. I didn't get a copy yet. That's terrible. Oh, do it's, do it's you still on... don't have it? No, no. It's <sighs> but now I have a tracking number, so it should, okay. should arrive soon. Oh, that's... I hope. Okay, okay. Um. So yeah, uh, we the the contest was uh, people were asked to send in a review of our podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And they could, uh, well, uh, they should have emailed us the link to the to the review and then we'll pick a random one from the entries is, is that's how it works right that's the rules we set yes yes exactly right so uh, i don't know i guess it's time for the big uh, uh like what what do we do do we do a drum roll uh, uh maybe <laughs> <laughs> you, you're the drummer here you can you can do the drum roll uh, um, anyway maybe we should do a bit bit of statistics uh, first we we didn't get quite as many no. um, replies as we hoped. It was only no. four people, but that means twenty five percent chance for each of them. That's true. So, and another thing is that three of them were actually known to us and were on the show before. So, well, well, it, it's a it's bound to. I mean, that's the whole idea of this yeah, podcast, yeah, sure. of course, is that people participate. And so, yeah, three of the four entries are actually guests who have been on the show before. But it's not biased in any way no. because I think you. You've managed to generate, I don't know, you tell it. I thought if we have to do something randomly, why not do it the DOS way? And that's why I decided to go back to my programming roots of the 90s and use QuickBasic for picking the winner. So I wrote a small program and we are now going to run this program to find out who's the winner. It will just print the name as soon as I Mm -hmm. hit F5 to run it. And it's perfectly random, It's perfectly random. Well, I don't know. It's it's a... (laughs) 
it's, it's as perfect as DOS can yes. be. In it's a pseudo-random number generator that is integrated <laughs> into QuickBasic. I don't know how fair it is, but I, I don't know how Super it works. So, so it's it's fair for us, at least. Yeah. So exactly. I'll hit F5 and we'll see who the winner is. And you do the drum roll. <sighs> okay, okay, exciting. So are you ready? I'm ready. There we go. The winner is... Wait, I need to switch to win. <laughs> the winner is Firefight. Let's go. <gasps> That's amazing. It's amazing. Yes. Congratulations. Congratulations, Esco. So that's cool. He's been on several episodes, right? Uh, uh, lots. lots he, he was going to be on the Day of the Tentacle one, but he couldn't make it in the end. But he's been on lots of episodes before and, and I'm sure in the future as well. So yeah, <laughs> congratulations, Esco. That means I uh, will have to ship this box now to you. And I hope you have uh, a 486 or better because that's on the system <laughs> requirements. But you can run it in DOSBox, of course. So, yeah, very nice. Uh, I will make sure uh, it, it it comes your way. Yep. And big thanks to everyone who participated, right? So Definitely. Maybe we should read Esco's review. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Esco said, fantastic no- nostalgic gaming podcast. Great structure and in-depth discussion of DOS games. Wow. Five stars. Oh, yes. Well, I mean, I mean well, he had to do that because he was on, on the shows. So was he? <laughs> I hate this podcast. It's the worst. One star. No, but it's still, it's still. I mean, he wouldn't be on the show if he hated yep, the podcast. That's true. So. Cool. Okay. Well, that's that's uh, our, our contest, I guess. That's the contest. So, yeah, we'll remove it from the website now. Send the box to Esco. And uh, I, I hope he'll he'll tell us what he thinks. Of the music. <laughs> I don't care I about the rest. He, he probably played it before, right? I don't know. Maybe. It was a shareware well, version. There, there is a shareware version. Um, yeah, everyone can play this. It's on itch. Uh, if you go to our uh, the, the the episode on the DOS Games Gym, I think it's linked in the list, like below the post. Uh, I guess we can also put a link. Yeah. In this and episode, just right? search okay. slip speed. I mean, come on. it's There's not no, so many things that are definitely Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. So let's continue with more. Exactly. Stuff. There's other things as well. Exactly. So, yeah, we are currently playing our second adventure game of the year because, um, as you've probably know, heard a few times by now, when you're a regular listener, we are doing an, uh, like an adventure game every other month. And in April, which is soon over, we're playing Lost Eden. So that's going to be the next episode. Mm hmm. Which is a very interesting and different. Interesting, different, yes. It's it's point and click, but also not, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll dive it's, into it's this different. game. It's different, it's uh, different. And then in May, we've got Syndicate coming up. So Big title. That's, that's a cool game. I feel a lot of people are, are wanting us to play Syndicate. So yeah, exactly. looking forward to that. And then in June, there will obviously be another adventure game. This one, this time one that I've struggled many times to finish. Maybe <laughs> I can find the, the willpower to finish it this time. And that's Simon the Sorcerer. Or probably just, we'll probably play both Simon the Sorcerer games, right? Uh, yeah, we'll look at the whole series. But yeah, these games are notoriously frustrating, <laughs> difficult. Also kind of funny, I guess. They have yes, they have. I think they have a great style. I, I like how they imitate. They, they remind me very much of Lucas Arts mm, Adventures. Definitely, um, maybe not not difficulty wise, but no. <laughs> style wise, certainly. Yeah, exactly. So that should be fun. 
Right. So that's what's happening in the in the upcoming months. Uh, if you like this DOS stuff, then head over to our website, dosgameclub.com, where you can find discussions, uh, the upcoming games, all the episodes, everything that's going on. Um, you can also suggest a game there through our suggestion forum. So if you have an idea for a game we could cover, then please drop it in there. And, well, we'll, we'll, we'll try to invite you on the show as well. And, you know, thinking of Pushblock's message, we should definitely invite him for a future episode as well, because... <laughs> Unless we forget, because we are terrible people. Well, it seems like a nice guy, and it just seems to be fun to chat with about those games so definitely hope hope to get him on in the future um you can also send us a voice message to club at dosgameclub.com so yeah did you did you notice by the way how many voice messages we got recently it's like two or three in each episode that's perfect yeah 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 it's picking up that's lots of fun so yeah keep them coming please it's just super fun to hear these stories from you and uh yeah i think everyone enjoys these so Please keep them coming. Uh, you can also chat with us on IRC, which is like, I don't know, old old people Discord. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's DOS Game Club on Afternet. And yeah, that's where we're hanging out. So you can join us there. Uh, we also have a Twitter account, which is called DOS Game Club. So you can follow us there as well for, well, we do... Uh, you know stuff about the games we're covering we announce the episodes sometimes we do a poll or other stuff so yeah that's that's a good way to keep in touch uh and and last but not least please uh leave a rating or a review of our show uh in your podcast app or whatever you yeah what kind of platform you're using because that just helps it helps us to get a like a sense of what you're thinking but it also helps to uh recommend the show to other people so that's good. Yeah, that's that's all for us, I think. That's it. So uh, thanks a lot for being here, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Had fun. Yeah. Um, hopefully see you around in the future. And, uh, well, maybe maybe we'll, we'll get to play a multiplayer <laughs> Rise of the Triad game. That would be really cool. So, yeah. So, yeah, thanks. And see you next time. See ya. Bye. 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 B